Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, August 18th, 2023. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. And with me today, I would like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity and more. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series, which addresses a relevant topic for investors each and every Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or if you need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, we've got some updates on retail sales, which showed a surprise upside in terms of the July report at roughly $700 billion in advanced monthly retail sales, which is a 0.7% increase over the prior month of June, which again was higher than expectations and showing some resiliency in the consumer space. In addition, the Fed's report on overall industrial production came out for the month of July and showed a positive 1.0% increase, which was good news in the industrial sector based on the fact that both May and June were negative months previously. And the conference board's reading of leading economic indicators fell again in July, and basically that has been the case for the last 9 to 12 months, showing an overall slowing in an economy based on the economic indicators that they look at. So we'll get our panel's reaction to some of this economic news in addition to the reaction from the Federal Open Market Committee meeting minutes from July. But before we do that, let's talk to Steve to get his input on what's happening in the consumer sector with specific reference to the retail sales that were strong. But at the same time, two out of three major retailers came out this week with their outlook for the future, and they were negative two out of three times. So, Steve, what's your thought on that read and what else is happening in the stock market? Well, Brian, you're right. I mean, it's been an interesting week from the perspective of looking at these consumer-focused retailers. You know, a couple of them um, had numbers that beat expectations, but yet the guidance was was less than what Wall Street was expecting. Um, and you know, the signals really are mixed. You know, when you look at when you look at what Walmart and Home Depot said, you know, you start to get this feeling that. That maybe consumers are, are are behaving a little bit less uh, resiliently than what they have been uh, in the past few years, anyways. I mean, because when you think about it, uh, those two companies uh, really touch just about every consumer. It seems like every consumer in the United States, in one way or the other, right? Almost everybody that owns a home goes to Home Depot, and uh, at least sometime and. Uh, you know, Walmart is is ubiquitous um, in terms of its presence everywhere. Um, on the flip side, though, what's interesting to me, though, is if you start to go inside the other number, uh, which came from Target, uh, while, while Target may have, have missed expectations, when you go inside their numbers and listen to what the management said in their conference call commentary, you know, they were talking about um, actually having strong comps uh, and that means same store sale comps uh, in July. Um, and they've been happy with August. August is a really important time for these retailers because it's it's peak back to school season. So, you know, the fact that tar- Target felt uh, decent about what was going on in July and August, um, to me, maybe signals a little bit of, of 
continued strength for the consumer relative to what what Walmart and Depot were saying. So, you know, uh, we, we don't uh, have have recommendations on these names, but just wanted to make sure that we we mentioned them uh, here because they 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 really are in the news this week and, and touching so many things. You know, when we talk about uh, what's going on in the market, you know, you got this continued slow grind lower in uh, stocks as we've headed uh, higher in uh, real interest rates. Um, it's something that we've been highlighting in our in our key charts this week, the last couple of weeks, um, that with all of the performance that the, the S&P 500 had this year really being uh, ginned up by uh, the Magnificent Seven uh, high multiple tech stocks, um, the market has been vulnerable to a uh, valuation compression driven by higher real yields, and and that's what we're seeing here. We've seen um, we've seen real yields had higher, and we've seen um, tech stock valuations come under pressure. And uh, you know we've we've got a, a, a significant earnings release from an AI uh, levered name coming next week. Um, and and I'm starting to get the feeling that we might be heading for a sell the news event, you know, given that we've that we've got um, you know kind of positioning that we are in the market right now. So, you know, it tends to see seasonal weakness from now, uh, basically from mid July through mid October. Things have been very orderly so far, um, but it's it is starting to feel like it's a it's a like it like it's a correction here, you know, to, from from my seat. Steve, on the uh, the retail side of things, I was wondering if you saw any read through with respect to the, I guess, the restarting of the student loan payments. You know, that was something that was in the news a couple of months ago. I think we talked about it on one of these conversations where student loans now are are kind of coming back and maybe trying to squeeze the consumer a little bit. Is you did you see anything on on, the, on that side? You know, we haven't seen any 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 commentary yet, George, on that. Although I, I think that those three companies that we mentioned earlier. Are, are probably going to be three of the ones that that will be able to give us commentary on that um, as we go through the the next quarter. Um, clearly, you know when you think about student loan payments. I mean, I've seen numbers thrown around that that the average student loan payment that that's going to get restarted is something like five hundred bucks a month. You know, that's a significant chunk of money that um, is not going to get spent on. Uh, dinners out or you know new clothes or whatever it is. Um, so I think it is going to have an impact. Um, and we start we should start to have a feel for what that impact is uh, during Q late Q3. Well that should be about the time that other things start slowing down too. I mean we talked about other things kind of hitting the economy, whether it's housing or maybe even things on the fiscal side of the house where a big uh, big push of fiscal spending kind of came through earlier this year and that seems to be receding also. But for now, it's kind of curious, I guess, Rajiv, to see things that are kind of flashing uh, pretty red in the sense that things are, are accelerating. So I was looking at a few different, um, I wouldn't call them forecasts, but there's a few models that the Federal Reserve puts together. We've talked about these on, on various calls as well. So there are two signals that are kind of interesting, one of which is run by the Cleveland Federal Reserve, and they do this thing called a now cast on inflation, where inflation is kind of built on a lot of expectations on, on future prices of things. It takes into account for energy prices, which have been uh, moving up, as Steve talked about in previous conversations. And, and what they're showing essentially is that inflation is actually accelerating again. So it's come down quite a bit, but it started to kind of poise, uh, it's poised to move higher. 
based on, on this model. And then similarly, the Atlanta Federal Reserve puts another um, series of, of inputs together, a bunch of data uh, that goes into this to try and extrapolate where the current economy is right now and whether it's growing or, or, or shrinking. And uh, it's actually been kind of more directionally right than, than the consensus forecast. So it's kind of curious and really got my attention this week when that forecast or that, that model rather that the Atlanta put puts together suggests the economy is accelerating and now expanding over five and a half percent. And I think that that's going to come down to Steve's point, there's some kind of pressures that are probably kind of cause that number to be revised lower as we go through this quarter. But I can't help but wonder, uh, Rajiv, when you start to see maybe inflation readings start to pick up a little bit, you start to see uh, economic growth numbers all start to accelerate a little bit. You know, I think the Federal Reserve is going to be scratching their heads now thinking, do we have to come back and maybe take rates higher again? And, and clearly the bond market might be sniffing that out too. But but what's your take on, on those um, those things, Rajiv? Uh, it's really good points there, George. And I do think that the Federal Reserve is uh, is really looking at this data. Uh, obviously, we we know that the narrative that's coming out of the Fed is that they have to keep the pressure on, which means rates have to continue to go higher uh, in order to bring their uh, their inflation goal in, in context, which is 2%. We're not there yet at that 2% goal. We've been going in the right direction with that latest CPI report. But at the same time, I think uh, the narrative continues that uh, we're not at 2%. And uh, there is that fear that the Fed overshoots. Uh, so we've, we've seen that in the past also. And I think the market participants are looking for a little, uh, little bit of at least a pause from the Fed. Uh, uh, right now, the market is completely discounting a 25 basis point rate hike in the September meeting. Uh, they don't think that's going to happen. Uh, it's going to be very important. We've had Fed members come out and say, don't forget September is a live meeting. Uh, but I don't think the market's anticipating 25 basis points in September at all. But with the points that you've made and some of the data that's coming out, it puts the November meeting back into uh, into play again. And now there is about a 35% about a chance, probability-wise, from the market that there would be a 25 basis point rate hike in uh, in the November meeting. So we need to keep an eye on this data. You know, at the same time, Rashid, um, it seems like for the last several years, there's been this notion or this kind of, I guess, actually, it's not just a notion. It's kind of been borne out that uh, when the Fed gets together in August, they get together at this really idyllic looking place called Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, I'm sure some of our listeners might have actually been there themselves. Uh, and it's really picturesque, but they actually get together to talk about things on a more serious level. And it seems like in the past few years now, we've seen the Fed use that, that symposium as it's known as, to try and signal some significant policy shifts. You know, I think a few years ago, um, the Fed actually talked about um, maybe taking inflation down a little bit or taking rates up and inflation down. They've talked about other pivots at points in time as well. So it's been kind of a, a kind of a key meeting of the year that many policymakers have, have kind of utilized um, to try and signal certain policy changes. Going, uh, knowing that that's coming at us next week, um, do you think that's gonna be another one of these, these big meetings this year? I really do. I think all eyes are on uh, this Jackson Hole Symposium for next week. Uh, Fed Chair Powell's comments are gonna be uh, very closely watched. They're gonna be scrutinized. The market's definitely going to move on these comments because we haven't really heard anything significant uh, from Fed Chair Powell. Uh, and I think this is the opportunity to really see what he thinks about that latest CPI report, what he thinks about disinflation. Does he think the trend is going in the right direction? Any cues we can get on the mindset of the Fed, really, that what they feel about keeping rates elevated uh, for longer, I think that's going to be a big point that uh, a signal that many market participants are going to look for. We just recently, uh, had the uh, July FOMC minutes that came out, and the market really was dissecting those minutes for any kind of any kind of cues. Now these July FOMC minutes they came out uh, before the latest CPI report, 
So the comments didn't take into account the latest CPI report, which did show the disinflation trend. But uh, if you read those, if you read the minutes, the July FOMC minutes, the Fed signaled that it's not likely to be finished raising rates. They pointed to significant upside risk to inflation. And I think that theme is going to have to play out in the Jackson Hole meeting as well. I think that's going to be very important to see if Fed Chair Powell speaks about those rising risks of inflation. Does he point to data? Does he say anything about, uh, I mean, in the July FOMC meetings, they talked about uh, the meeting minutes, they talked about uh, inflation is not near their 2% goal yet. They're not there yet. They need more data. How much more data uh, do they need? I, if we can get some kind of cues from Jackson Hole next week, maybe there's two more CPI reports. Maybe they can give us some definitive response to how much more they need to see to say that the trend is working in the, in the favor of pausing rate hikes. Uh, you know, there's also the fact that uh, in the July FOMC uh, minutes, we did not hear anything about the September meeting or the stance of Fed members in that meeting. Maybe in this uh, upcoming uh, uh, Jackson's Hole Symposium, maybe Fed Chair Powell will talk about the September meeting. And if he says anything about the fact that, you know, inflation is still not there yet, uh, we still have to have more work to do, we're going to see the market react to that. We're going to, we could see those probabilities of a September rate hike start to creep higher if he does start to go in that direction. I don't anticipate that, but uh, you know, this Jackson Hole Symposium has, has typically been a really good opportunity to, to get into the minds of uh, where the Fed is right now. And so given that backdrop, Rajiv, what are some of the, uh, the things you're doing with the portfolios that you oversee? Uh, well, right now, you know, we've, see, we've seen uh, yields move quite higher across the treasury yield curve and specifically more in the 10 and 30 year points of the curve. Uh, many investors have thought about adding duration uh, in the last uh, couple of months. That was the pain trade. The steepening of the yield curve has hurt those investors. We continue to advocate to remain in the in the front end of the yield curve, be neutral duration, uh, completely situate yourself with higher quality assets, higher quality sectors, liquid assets. You want to be prepared for any economic downturn that could happen. We could be elevated levels and rates for longer. And uh, you know what's really interesting is when you look at the 10-year part of the yield curve, it is still the lowest yield on the yield curve, uh, and the six months the highest yield on the yield curve. So obviously the curve continues to be inverted, but we've seen this move higher in the 10-year. We saw the 10-year move about 60 basis points higher in the last one month, and that's a significant move. Now, why are buyers not jumping in right now? Uh, we've talked about resistance points in the back in, in the past where. 4% on the 10-year was a resistance point. You saw buyers step in. Then four and a quarter was a resistance point. You saw buyers step in. This time, however, we, we went right through four and a quarter, went to 4.31 very easily. And we did not see the buyers step in. And I think the reason for that is the pace at which we got there. That spooks the market. That spooks market participants. They don't want to, they wanted to see higher elevated yields, but they don't want to see a move like that. So the trend right now is to, and what we're advocating for is higher quality, and stay uh, neutral duration to your benchmarks. And uh, we really like the front end of the yield curve. Steve, how about you? You talked about the fact that you might start to see some corrections or some small little pullbacks in the market. Uh, what are things that you're thinking about and some of the themes you're espousing in portfolios that you oversee? Yeah, you know, I think that we continue to uh, emphasize having both a, a high quality approach on the one hand and, and giving yourself some optionality. Um, regarding economic growth via cyclical exposure on the other. Uh, we, that has served us uh, pretty well over the course of the year. And, and I think that it likely uh, should serve us well in the second half uh, and heading into the deeper into the second half, actually. 
um, especially given you know what you were mentioning earlier, George, about growth continuing to surprise to the upside. Um, you know, we think that the, the the market really got the call wrong this year on the the recession call, and with growth surprising to the upside, it's we we see people um, pushing into things like financials, materials, energy, which are traditional cyclical. Um, what I would say though is that you know that doesn't necessarily mean that the the market has to go a lot higher. What we're seeing is rotation as people rotate out of the high multiple tech names. Uh, they're going into these economically sensitive cyclicals, which are performing well, better due to due to the better growth in the economy. Um, and given the weights of those, you know, magnificent seven tech stocks, it's entirely possible that the S and P 500 on a headline number basis may not make all that much progress between now and the end of the year. But yet the market could be healthier because you'll see improving breadth and you'll see improvement underneath from from cyclical names. So I think all those things taken into account give us the view that you want to really be balanced towards risk overall. You know, there are some headwinds we've talked about. Things are slowing in the economy. Uh, probably more headwinds that we probably haven't even thought about could emerge sometime later this year. But nonetheless, I think being balanced towards risk, as Steve pointed out, you, you do have this growth impulse that's still going through the economy that's showed up a bit in earnings and that's also supportive of risk assets in general. So while we're not um, we're not bearish, we're not super bullish either, but again, balanced towards risk seems to be the, the, the word of the day. So with that, uh, we'll look forward to staying in touch and keeping everybody apprised of our best thinking as it continues to evolve. Well, thanks for the conversation today, George, Stephen, Rajiv. We appreciate your insights and your perspectives, as always. Also, thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. As always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with KeyBank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not being guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. E-Bank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.